Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. Welcome again to the house of the Lord. You'll stand with me and open up in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 42 to the end of the chapter this morning. That's 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning with verse 42. Then a man came from Baal Shalisha and brought the man of God bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley bread, and newly ripened grain in his knapsack. And he said, Give it to the people that they may eat. But his servant said, What? Shall I set this before one hundred men? He said again, Give it to the people that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, They shall eat and have some left over. So he set it before them, and they ate, and had some left over according to the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Give you a little background of what has happened here. The nation of Israel is a mess. Uh, they are no longer serving the one true God. There have been battles won against the idolatrous attitudes and worship, but the truth of the matter is it would not be too much longer that God would have Israel destroyed and carried into captivity, the northern ten tribes. They were a mess. And they were not serving God, they were not honoring God as a nation, the king, kings continued to be evil, that uh, were being, uh, succeeding each other, and their families were evil, their children were evil, they, they continued to think evil in the sight of God. They were not a nation serving the Lord. Yet in this nation we find a, a man. And even though they had long stopped sacrificing and Obeying the law of God, this man was still obedient to the Lord. You'll see here in chapter 4, verse 42, that he gathered his first fruits together and he brought them to Elisha, the man of God. It was commanded in the law that the first fruits from everything that the nation of Israel had were to be brought to the Lord. And they were to be the portion of the Levites, those who served God day and night, those who honored God, that was to be their portion. They received no inheritance in the promised land. Their portion was God, and they were provided for by the first fruits of the nation. Cattle, their uh, uh, material items, that's how they were blessed. And even though... uh, the nation of Israel was apostate and they were no longer serving God. This man was serving God. He still knew and still honored God. And he honored God with his first fruits. That's important here. These verses are so important to us today and in our world today. On its surface, it simply looks like a man honored God by bringing his first fruits to the prophet of God. But it is so much more than that. 
The nation around him had turned their backs upon God. They had rejected God. The leadership had rejected God. The leaders had rejected God. The families had rejected God. But in this Israel stood a man who still honored God, who still loved God, who still served God. Amen. Even though the nation around him had abandoned God. And he honored God with his first fruits by bringing it to the prophet of God, Elisha. If I were to give a title to this message today, I would call it Uncommon Faithfulness. Because more than anything else in our world today, we need believers in Christ, those who serve God, who are faithful. If you're taking notes, and big letters, write that word, faithful. Because we need to have a call to faithfulness to God in our nation. We must be faithful to God in spite of the people around us. In spite of the direction of the world, in spite of the direction of our country, in spite of what's happening around us, we must remain faithful to God's word. Amen. This burns in my heart today so very strongly. We must remain faithful to God's truth. Let me break something too. Everyone this morning, if you have any questions, you do not have your own truth. And I do not have my own truth. Amen. There is one truth, and that is the truth spoken by God when he said, let there be light. His word is truth. There is no fluctuation in truth. There is one truth. The truth spoken by God. And if your opinion does not match God's truth, God is still right. If my opinion does not match God's truth, God is still right. See, we live in a society today, especially in the last decade, that has completely demoralized itself, has degenerated, and uh, become so corrupt. Because we have rejected God's truth. Amen. Amen. Truth hurts. Mm-hmm. But truth soothes. Truth causes conviction. But also brings peace. We cannot view truth as a negative only. For God's word is truth. Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The foundation of everything that we are is on God's truth. Every word spoken by him, that is what our faith is built upon. That is what our world should be built upon. For the truth that he uttered when he said, let there be light. When he took the world that was out form and was void and he gave it form and he gave it purpose. He laid the foundation just like he laid the foundation physically. He laid down the spiritual foundation of his truth. 
obedience to Him, serving Him, dedication to Him, in spite of what is going on around us. We need faithfulness to the truth of God's Word more than we ever have in our nation's history. Christians who are not, who, who will not compromise, who are not afraid to stand up for God's truth regardless of how they will be looked upon. Christians who are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to be willing to stand. Be convicted by his truth and allow his truth to change us. But his truth becomes a burden where we do not allow it to change us. See, truth should not be a burden. If we allow it to change our hearts and our minds. God's truth should never be a burden to us. If we respond to the conviction. But when we don't respond to the conviction. That's when it becomes a burden. Right? But if we respond to the conviction. The burden is lifted. And it should give us freedom. To operate with him. And in him. If we respond to the truth. But we live in a world today that's eyes have been shut and their ears have been closed and their understanding has been taken from them. Jesus said that this would happen. That is what happened to the Pharisees. They saw but could not see. They heard but they did not understand. We live in a world today that don't like truth. We want our truth. We want to live the way we want to live. Do what we want to do. Be who we want to be. Apart from God. And then we wonder why we're hurting and alone and afraid. We wonder why we don't know whether we're a boy or a girl. We wonder why we don't we operate outside the order of God's order. And men lay with men. And women lay with women. And men lay with children. And then now women lay with children. Come on. We wonder why that is happening. It is because we have denied God's truth. Amen. And the church is so afraid of being labeled as bigoted that we no longer live or speak God's truth. It angers me with a righteous anger when I see people making excuses for God. God does not need us to defend Him. God does not need us to make excuses for Him so that He'll be accepted. God does not need us to fight for Him. He needs us to live for Him. Live with conviction according to His Word. Live with conviction according to His truth. It is an insult to God that I would think I have to apologize for Him. But many Christians in churches today are apologizing for God. They may not say it with their words, but they're saying it with their actions. One great preacher, I read quotes from him not too long ago. A man who's been respected for decades. Who was admitted in the prominent news media that he has questioned his own beliefs as it relates to God's stance on sexuality and marriage. He's apologizing for God. And it should scare us to apologize for God. We 
we should be convicted to live for God. For I owe him everything. God needs no defender. Right. He needs no one to defend his honor. He is God. He needs men and women who serve him and honor him with their lives, not simply with their words. Men and women who will honor him when the world rejects him. Men and women who will serve him when the world rejects us. Amen. What he determines right and wrong, there is no room for compromise. We have compromised for half a century. We have. The church has remained silent while the enemy destroyed us from the inside out. Let me tell you something. Whatever your political affiliations are, no politician will save you. No politician will save this country. There's only one on the within the universe and outside of it that could have any positive impact upon this country, and it is God. For he exalts and he tears down. That's why he's called the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because every leader, every king, every dictator answers to him. That means the good ones and the bad ones. Mm -hmm. They are all there for a purpose. Which is why, regardless of how you feel about a leader, that's the president, the vice president, the Supreme Court, that's every judge that sits upon a seat, that's every member of the House, the Senate, that's every member of your local state officials, our, our government officials. We should pray for them. Amen. Amen. No political party will save us. Glory. Only God can save us. Right? Man's going to save us. The woman's going to save us. Only God can. Yes. And God has a greater purpose that's bigger than you and I. Right. Which is why when we pray, we must pray for God's will to be done. Right. We must pray that God's purposes are accomplished. Always pray. That's why Jesus said what in the Lord's Prayer? What was the first thing he said? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. There you go. On earth as it is in heaven. Jesus Christ himself said, God, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, let your will be done. We cannot fight against God's will. We We must submit to his will, honor his will, and walk in his will. We need to be like this man. In spite of the world and the leadership around him, he still honored God with his first fruits. So we must be faithfulness to, faithful to God's truth. We must be faithful in our obedience to God. More now than ever. Even if everyone around us, everyone in our family, everyone in the chairs next to us, everyone in our community, everyone uh, you know, at the office, even if they... Do not serve God. They're not obedient to God. We must walk in obedience. Faithfulness to obedience. 
we're not obedient, God cannot bless disobedience. If we are not faithful in obedience, we cannot be blessed. We literally have cursed ourselves with disobedience. Rebelliousness is as witchcraft. Right? Rebelliousness, that's disobedience to God's truth, disobedience to God, walking apart from Him, is evil in God's sight. And it separates us from God, and it is a curse we are pronouncing upon ourselves when we walk in disobedience. We must be faithful in obedience. That doesn't mean showing up to a particular service. That doesn't mean showing up at a particular time at a building. That means walking daily with Christ and every decision and every word that we speak must be done so in reverence and honor and obedience to Him. Paying attention to our rebellious words, our self-centeredness, our self-pity, our selfishness. Faithfulness and obedience. God needs men and women, children who will be faithful to Him in obedience. The most damning thing Jesus ever said that has pricked my heart anyways. Is He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Yet do not keep my commands. There will be those that stand before Jesus on that day. And they will say, Jesus, we cast out demons in your name. Jesus, we did this. We healed the sick. We did these things in your name. And Jesus will say, depart from me, for I never knew you. Because obedience isn't flesh. Obedience isn't praise from man. Obedience is serving God at one in the morning when He disturbs your sleep and wakes you to pray and you crawl out of bed tired and frustrated but you get upon your knees and you cry out to Him. That's obedience. Obedience is serving God when no one else is looking. Obedience is throwing in your two lights even though that's all you have. Right? Obedience. We need a world, a Christian, a church that's faithful in obedience despite those around us. Even though this man had no place officially to bring his first fruits. There were no Levites serving the temple. There were no people to give it to. He still obeyed God and he brought it to who was serving God, the leader of God, the man of God, the prophet of God, Elisha. He found a way to be obedient. We need to stop making excuses for not being obedient. Amen. This is what my mama taught me when I was growing up. We will find a way to do things that we want to do. Always. We will figure out how to pay for what we want to pay for. And we will figure out how to do what we want to do if we want it bad enough. Right? If we want it bad enough, we'll figure it out. God wants that kind of obedience from us. To be obedient no matter what. To be willing to shake off and make, to shake off the excuses that we make. I make excuses too. 
there have been little times when God has prompted my heart to go talk to somebody and I've been afraid to because, believe it or not, outside of this pulpit, I am not a, an extroverted person. I'm, I'm, it's hard for me to step out and talk to people. It's hard. Texting is hard. Calling on the phone. Right? I get scared. I don't know what to say. I get tongue-tied. I'm like, ooh. And so, many times, you know, I mean, seriously, if you try to talk to me one-on-one, sometimes you know that's true. Uh, I don't like silence. I don't know what to say. So I even get scared, and I don't do things. And then I feel convicted about it later. I make excuses. We make excuses. I'm too busy. i got to take care of my kids. I'm too tired. I've got to make sure I'm doing X, Y, and Z. We make excuses. And that means we're living in disobedience. And God cannot bless disobedience. Amen. He will not bless Amen. disobedience. Amen. Listen, we cannot do our own thing and complete rebelliousness towards God and then wonder why things fall apart. Amen. Because God cannot bless what I have cursed. Amen. We've got to be faithful in our obedience. We've got to be faithful in God's truth. We've got to be faithful in our families. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> cannot be afraid to stand up for God to our children. We cannot deny God's truth to our children. You say, well, I don't actively, I've never actively denied God's truth, but I have passively. By allowing them to do things and figuring it was too big a battle to fight about. Come on. Amen. I don't want to fight that battle today. Mm-hmm. Then today becomes tomorrow. Tomorrow becomes next week. Next week becomes next month. Soon it's 10, down, 10 years down the road and we wonder why our child is trapped in the stuff it's trapped in. It started with me or with a parent mm-hmm. being unwilling be faithful in our household. Our households are destroyed and being destroyed. Our children are being claimed. They're being sucked in. They're being corrupted by a world because we're not doing our jobs at home. Amen. Our children need correction. As parents, we are there to be the guiding influence in their lives. We cannot abandon that job and be do not be faithful in that function and then expect everything to be okay for our kids. Mm-hmm. We can't. Now, on the other hand, let me say this. Sometimes we can do everything we know to do and fight every battle and do everything and our kids will still run away. Right. Mm-hmm. But the Bible promises that if we will train them, they will always remember. Mm-hmm. Always will be there. And if I've trained them and I know the truth is there, I could pray and trust God that someday that truth is going to bring forth light and change Amen. the world. Amen. Amen. Right? Amen. But some of us aren't even playing the truth because we want to be their friend. Mm-hmm. Your kids are not your friends. Some of us want to live our lives through our children. They encourage them to do things we didn't get to do. Come on. That's right. I know someone dear and dear to my heart said he wished he would talk to his son and gave him and not had some of the conversations he had with his kid, the restrictions that he put on his kid because his kid should have been able to go out and have more fun and more experiences because he didn't get to. 
give me a break. We are parents and placed in the lives of our children for a reason. To be faithful to God and raising them. If the parents at home would do what they were supposed to do, our world would not be in the shape that it is today. If parents at home would tell their kids, this is a boy and this is a girl, this is how God made you biologically, and this is how you're supposed to be, and we don't let them choose at three years old, our world would be a different place. Your kid can't even tie his shoes at five years old. Yet he could have decided he's a boy or a girl. What is wrong with our world? What is wrong? Common sense is gone. But it started with parents who kept their mouths shut. Who tried to be friends instead of parents. Who tried to be all loving and no truth. And so their kids grew up. No conviction. No guidance. Fall for everything. Come on. That's what we have. A generation of kids that have turned into young adults who are allowing their children to decide if they're gay when they're five years old. Who are allowing them to decide that they're boy or girl. Who are encouraging them to accept that behavior and everyone around them. Listen, I know God's word. You want to be gay, you go be gay. I know God's truth. But don't make me celebrate your sin. And I ain't going to let my kids celebrate your sin. Just like you ain't going to teach your kids to be fat. Come on. You don't want me teaching your kids to be fat. I don't want you teaching my kids that being gay is okay. Uh, uh, Right? Pretty common sense. It's a choice and it's a dangerous choice. And studies prove it's a dangerous choice. Just like being fat leads to heart disease and high blood pressure and diabetes, being gay leads to emotional pain, suffering, constant wavering, and never knowing yourself. These poor kids, they're being dressed like women. These boys are being dressed like women at five, six, seven, eight, ten years old and throwing dollars at them while they dance and sing. What in the world? What are we doing? And people applaud it. Men who are participating in women's sports and destroying the competition is applauded by women who supposedly stick up for women. What is wrong with our world? We're backwards. We're broken. Why? Because parents were silent. Because moms and dads were so selfish that instead of making their marriages work, they ran in opposite directions. And we left children, boys, with their mothers with no male influence. Where the male influence that they had was a lying, cheating, scamming guy. Or you got a new boyfriend in every week, right? We wonder why our daughters chase boys. We wonder why we allow them to treat boys, they allow boys to treat them like dirt and treat them without respect. It's because they had men in their lives or women in their lives that allow themselves to be treated that way. As moms and dads. It's disgusting. It's not right. Our society is broken because the family's broken. There's no faithfulness. The divorce rate in the church is over 50%. That's disgusting. When 
Divorce was instituted in the Old Testament. God didn't want to do it. But he let Moses do it because the people were so stinking stubborn. He allowed them to get divorced. And now here we are, centuries later, deciding when it's okay and when it's not okay. I mean, I'm going to argue with people on when it's okay to get a divorce and not okay to get a divorce. When you should be trying to make it work out. Look, I'm, a, I'm not a nice person to live with, but somehow my wife has stuck with me for 24 years. Why? Because of faithfulness to God. She didn't give up the first time that I did something wrong. Right? Now, I understand. I'm not talking about being abused. Right? That's a completely different situation. I'm talking about I would almost be willing to bet and I should look up the statistic that the majority of divorces are simply because of irreconcilable differences. They just don't want to live together or make it work anymore. And we've broken our children. We wonder why they don't commit to things. We wonder why they jump from boyfriend to girlfriend all the way up through college. We wonder why they're hooking up on Tinder, swiping right and left. Why? Because mom and dad did. Dad had a new girl every home every week. Mom had a new boyfriend home every week. And we lived in front of our kids and we wonder why our kids act that way and we bemoan it. When they get sexually transmitted diseases. When they can't, they get mistreated by a man. When they're taken advantage of. I know, I'm sorry, I'm going on a tangent. It just hurts my heart. Because there is a lack of faithfulness to God. But this is the great thing. As God can take my little bit of faithfulness to Him, to His truth, to being obedient in my family and he can multiply it to have a great impact. This man took a little bit of his first fruits and it must have not been a whole lot because it wasn't even enough to feed a hundred people. But he took his first fruits anyways to the prophet and the prophet said, feed the men. <coughs> and his servant Gehazi, most likely Gehazi who had no faith, which we will see really in Naaman, what happens to him with the story of Naaman in the next chapter. He says, what am I supposed to do to give this little bit of food to a hundred people? You can't feed a hundred men with this little bit of this little bit of first fruits. And Elisha said, give it to them anyway, because this is what God says. Goodness gracious, highlight that in your Bible. This is what God says. See, what God says overrides what man says. What God says overrides circumstances and what the enemy says. This is what God says. Every person will be fed. So God took the faithfulness of one man and he multiplied it and fed a hundred men. Do you hear what I'm saying? Not only did they feed a hundred men, I believe it says there, if I recall correctly, that there would be some left over. Right? The faithfulness of one man's little bit of first fruits was multiplied to feed a hundred people to make sure they got what they needed. If you and I will be faithful and be faithful to God's truth, be faithful in obedience, and be faithful in our homes, God can multiply it and make a difference in our world. So much so that the 
there's residual left over to bless another person. Amen. Amen. But we have to be willing to give the first fruits. We have to be willing to be the faithful one. So that God can bless the faithfulness and multiply it. Zero times zero is what? Zero. zero. So I can't give God zero and expect to get a hundred. I've got to give God one and then he adds the hundred to it. i got to give him a little bit of faithfulness and he will multiply it. Greater than you and I could possibly imagine. He's not asking you or me to go out and stand on the box and see millions saved. He's asking me to tell my sons about Jesus Christ and live fruit in front of them and live his truth and be honest and be faithful to God in front of them. He's asking me to be faithful in front of my co-workers. He's asking me to be faithful when I'm in my home. You know the people will decide if they're going to come with you to church based on seeing you in your driveway. They're making the decision before you walk up to them the first time by seeing you in their front yard. How you talk to your family, how you talk to your kids, how you act. They're making their decision before you ever speak to them. So that little bit of faithfulness, it can make a huge difference. Let's be faithful. Let's change the world. And if God is convicting our hearts about something because of His truth, with His truth, let's respond to it. Instead of becoming angry and frustrated. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month, we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you. Bless you.